an afterlife. What is it like? This is the second script in a series of six podcasts on what is in store for us if we survive death. Hello, my name is Stephen Russell Lacey. So far, I have introduced reasons for supposing that we will not perish at death. Now I look at what an afterlife may look like if we do continue to exist after we die. So, what is the evidence about what life after death is like? Mystic and spiritual philosopher Emanuel Swedenborg describes an afterlife. What he reports is different from what traditional Christianity used to teach. His vision is wide-ranging. He didn't first die and then come back to tell us about it. However, when alive, he did provide a meticulously written-up report of what he claimed were visions of an afterlife realm. This material was based on what he inwardly heard and saw when experiencing altered states of consciousness. The awareness occurred on a daily basis throughout the last 27 years of his life. I believe that what he wrote about these extraordinary experiences is worth sharing because it throws light on what I see as common errors of thinking about death. We read that following our departure from this life, we wake up in a spirit body, like a normal human body we have on earth. In this afterlife existence, we are said to be conscious of people and things, but not those still present in the material universe. We are not, it seems, reincarnated back in the world in a physical body. Nevertheless, according to his account, we each retain our individuality in a spirit body, one that can see, that can hear, smell, as well as think and feel. Swedenborg's idea of a spirit body actually might be thought to resemble the idea of a subtle body, thought to be part of living things, according to various esoteric, occult and mystical teachings. Like in yoga, practitioners claim that the subtle body consists of chakras connected by channels that convey subtle breath. Through breathing exercise, they claim a person may direct this subtle breath to achieve immortality. Okay, what is Swedenborg's vision of human contact after death? For him, with our spiritual body, we can be in contact with others who also are no longer alive in the physical body. He says we can communicate and socially interact like we usually do. The afterlife is thus a spirit dimension of existence. It is real with even more vivid sensations 
than we experience in the natural world. This is so even though our surroundings are not part of the physical universe. Writing in Latin 300 years ago, Swedenborg called this environment Mundi Spiritualis. I like to translate this phrase for afterlife as spirit world. Most translators into English have used the term spiritual world. Furthermore, we learn that the individual's mental state projects itself onto what the, he or she sees and hear, hears. For example, if after death we are looking for kindness and thoughtfulness, then beauty surrounds us. But if we prefer crime and corruption, then ugliness is all around. You may wonder, is there time and space in this kind of afterlife? Well, yes, in his vision of the afterlife, there is time and space, but it doesn't follow, they don't follow the laws of physics. Instead, they are said to mirror our inner states of mind. I would point out that in the material world, time is objectively measured, for example, by clocks and the rotation of our planet. But imagine what it would be like if these physical measures are no longer possible. We would be left with what I'm calling subjective time. Subjective time which depends on our emotional mood. Something of this idea, I reckon, can be seen when we are bored or in pain. For then, doesn't time drag? But if we're getting on with things and engage with what's interesting us, then time passes before we know it. Subjective time, then. How far things seem away from us in the afterlife, he says, depends not on physical rules of distance, like in our material universe, but rather, again, on psychological distance. Like if you and someone else feels emotionally close, then he says in the afterlife, both of you will seem to be located near to each other. Psychological distance, psychological time. Now, okay, you thinking all very well, but Swedenborg's only one person, isn't he? So weren't there any other descriptions of the afterlife that corroborate his findings? Yes, actually, it's not just Swedenborg who presents this picture. There is a consistent wealth of similar information from mediums regarding what spirit communicators supposedly say through them. How the world views mediums and psychics, of course, varies a lot. Some have been exposed as fraudsters, and there does remain a general scientific scepticism as, as to the validity of mediums' experiences. But psychologist David Fontana has written a book and summarised many of the reports by mediums. The book's called is there an afterlife, a comprehensive overview of the evidence? Professor Fontana writes, 
We are told by spirit communicators that the way in which the next world, at least at the lower levels, is experienced by each individual, is shaped not just by his or her own thoughts, but by the thoughts of others who think in similar ways. Apparently, we will gravitate to that part of the next life where there are people of like mind to ourselves. Those who love trees and flowers, peace and harmony. They go to a domain where the thoughts of others who love these things will have helped to create such an environment. By contrast, if violence and strife attracts us, then we enter that kind of social sphere and our own environment would change accordingly. Swedenborg claimed to have had direct access to this afterlife dimension. To some extent, he did depend on what spirits told him, but in addition, much of his information was verified by his own experiences. If true, the source of a lot of his information is first-hand and does contrast with that of the mediums whose accounts rely totally on information conveyed to them by spirit communicators. Yet despite this, the content of both the mediums and Swedenborg's account tally together. Now, is the next life a happy one? Professor Fontana writes that spirit communicators do describe an environment called the upper astral. It is said to be an idealised version of what this earthly world could become, one where we treat it and each other with more love and respect. Spirits speak of landscapes of enchanting beauty, of mountains and rivers, of beautiful towns and cities. This sounds like Swedenborg's version of one part of the afterlife he calls the spirit world, the part he terms in Latin Kalo. For him, this social sphere of Kalo gives a deep kind of happiness, and he does not see that state of consciousness as reward for an unselfish life on earth. On the contrary, for him, it is the fulfilment of what already has begun to grow in a person during this life on earth. He doesn't mean it is for someone who has simply gone through the motions of living a good life, just appearing to be honest and generous for the sake of social approval. Instead, he reserves the sphere of Kalo for the person who generally wants to act in these ways, one who tries to live by their deeper conscience of what is good and right. And in the next podcast, we will explore what we might take with us when we die. How will our individual character be seen? <laughs>